Good morning, Northgate and friends. Yes, a little excitement here. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been able to share, but so much enjoyed Jim and Caleb's message with that theme of evangelism or discipleship or sharing with those around us, praying for those around us, reminding them of our identity in Jesus. But today we're back to 1 Corinthians and we're in chapter 15 and excited about what the Lord is going to show us through his word today. So let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that you would bless your word. Uh, teach us. Encourage, exhort. Holy Spirit, yeah, as hard as it is through a screen, whoever's watching, may your spirit speak. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. So we've been working our way through 1 Corinthians and we understand Paul even in the midst of this letter and correction, answering their questions, has been so practical in how he's been speaking to them in many different ways. In chapter 14, spiritual gifts, prophecy in tongues, and order, and the order of service. And uh, we looked at that a couple weeks ago. So he makes this final conclusion in verse 39 and 40 of chapter 14. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy... And do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. So here we go in chapter 15. And it seems in Corinth, in the midst of everything they were experiencing, there was uh, some false teaching as well. And this teaching, Epicurean teaching, was teaching that Christ did not resurrect from the dead. So in this chapter, Paul's going to talk about the risen Christ and the reality of our belief in the risen Christ going to go and talk about our hope in the risen Christ, the resurrected Christ, how the enemy is destroyed. We're going to talk about our glorious body and what it will look on the last day. Now we're going to split this chapter up into a couple parts, but um, this week I wanted to talk about the resurrection and what it means for us today. So let's read a little bit, starting in chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. So Paul here clearly is stating that when he came to them, he shared the gospel. Now the gospel is good news. That's the meaning of the word good news. Now it's interesting in our society today, we have gospel music and the gospel coalition and gospel choirs and the gospel hall and a lot of things attached to that word but the reality of the gospel is it is the good news and Paul's going to explain why it is good news and what it means to us but first he says I received this from the Lord and he gave it to them and they believed in it and he's stating for them uh, to stand in that. But he says this, that Christ, in verse 3, died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, the scriptures Paul would have been referring to are the Old Testament. The New Testament scriptures weren't completed yet. So the Old Testament, things like Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, uh, how Christ died, the Messiah died for us. But that's not the whole gospel picture. He goes on to say, not only has Christ died for our sins, 
but also that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, again according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James in verse 7, then by all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. You're in verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead. So here, a beautiful um, picture of why he's saying this, that some in the body in Corinth were saying, not only was Christ not raised, but there will be no resurrection for those who believe in him, no eternity with him. I love it, how the gospel isn't just Good Friday, how the gospel is not just Christ dying for us, but how amazing is that, that our God would come to this earth in the form of Jesus, live a perfect life and die and pay the penalty for our sins. And that as we believe in that, our sins are forgiven, that the debt is paid. And maybe this morning, as you're watching this, you don't know the forgiveness of sin, that you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ. The amazing part of the gospel, the good news, is you have a God who loves you. And the burden of sin that you carry around, Christ forgave. But it doesn't end there. The beauty is not only that, but Christ rose from the dead. He died, but he's not there. He's alive. He's risen. Our God is not dead. Our God is alive. And the resurrection means so, so much to us. There's a newness of life that we now have because of the resurrection. I'm going to turn it in my Bible to Romans chapter 6, and I'm going to read a little section of the power of the risen God and how we are new in him because of the resurrection today, what it means to us today. In Romans chapter 6, it says this, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, 
dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Praise the Lord. You see, the gospel, the goodness, the good news of God is this, that your sins are forgiven and you are alive in him. As he resurrected spiritually, you have newness of life. You are a new creation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a new creation. And you are now a slave to righteousness. The old man is dead. And so often we have this thought that I'm still fighting with sin. It's got a hold of me. I think we all struggle with that. But we have to believe and understand that that old man is dead. There's no power in that man. He's dead, but we live in the newness. And as Christ was resurrected and raised, that as we believe and trust in him, we are alive and we can walk in the newness of that life and not give in to sin. I see the resurrection value today in a couple of ways. Number one, we don't have to give in to sin, the power of sin, because we have the power of res the resurrection. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So as we live our life, there's a newness to it, not a tiredness, not an oldness, not an old man. But not only that, there is power as we minister and walk in what God, God's called us to do. So for ourselves, there's power and victory over sin, but also there's power in how we minister in the gifts that God has given us. It's been so interesting in the last week hearing of discipleship and that challenge, which I've really enjoyed being stirred once again to Go share, go love people, go talk to people, pray for people. But there is absolutely no fruit, no power without the Holy Spirit within me, the power of the resurrected Jesus working through me. What a truth this is. The resurrection, Christ has risen from the dead. The scriptures foretold it in the Old Testament. The New Testament was witness to it, Peter the disciples, the 500, James. You know, it's interesting that a lawyer has a good case if he has two or three witnesses. But just imagine this, 500 witnesses. I love that book, The Testimony of Lee Strobel, The Case for Christ in the movie that they made about it. And he was an investigative reporter and his wife became a Christian. He was trying to disprove it or debunk it. And he went on this journey to prove that there was no resurrection. A colleague at work said, if you want to disprove Christianity, disprove the resurrection. So he's this investigation and he looks into it. But the more he looks into it, the more he sees the proof of it, the eyewitnesses, the more he sees how scripture, history talks about it, how God's word is so accurate and such a perfect historical document. And yet there are so many witnesses. Yes, the resurrection is real. It did happen. And Paul's making this clear and he's telling them the value for the future and the hope we have that we ourselves will be resurrected. But for here and now, man, it is so exciting to know that we are living not controlled or slaves to sin, but we have this power because Christ lives in us, his power, the power of the resurrection, that we 
can live in victory. This week in the midweek reminder, maybe you saw that, maybe you didn't. Uh, but in Second Peter chapter 1, there's these great little verses that relate even to this. And it's neat how God orchestrates uh, everything each week. But listen to this. Actually, I'll start in verse 2 of Second Peter chapter 1, where it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory, virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust goes on to say this, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, your belief, right, virtue, and knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness. I love this section because as we're talking about the resurrection, and what we see is that God's divine power, that power that raised Christ from the dead, has given us all things as we believe in him. That power lives within us. And Paul would say in Ephesians 2 that you would know that power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And that power is the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans, that lives in us. So we have this power for a life to be godly. And Wednesday we reminded each other of that amazing thought and we have been given these exceedingly great precious promises that you have through faith and this knowledge of the resurrection and the gospel, the good news that you're forgiven. And not only that, that Christ lives in you to be partakers of the divine nature. You can live holy and also minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you have faith in that, you add to that virtue and virtue knowledge. And with that knowledge of this truth by faith, you add to that this divine nature of self-control and, and perseverance and godliness and kindness and love. And we can do it, not because we can do it, but the good news that Christ can do it in us, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's easy to get tired thinking of being old. Yeah, it's easy to feel old. Maybe you're young and watching this and you don't feel old, but I'm starting to feel old. I'm not even that old, but I had a little vacation time or a little time away with Amy. We celebrated for our 25th anniversary last week. So we decided to go west. 25 is a big number spending together. So we wanted to do something rather large, but we couldn't do maybe what we wanted to go sit on the beach somewhere so we decided to go to the mountains but I remember leading up to this I had this great expectation of rest and we get there and the time change and we met with Tandy and Jesse Clausen and we had some dinner and and you know we got arrived to our place late and of course the time change well it says a certain time it's really two hours later and so it's really late and by the time you get up in the morning bang five o'clock your eyes are open because you think it's time to wake up or even earlier, and then you want to see everything. So you get there. You've never been to the mountains. And Amy, um, she was like a gazelle and wanting to go on every hike that we could go to and up this mountain and down this mountain and three kilometers here and six kilometers there. And I can just remember the first day, I think we walked 15 kilometers 
up in Lake Louise and up to the tea house and down from the bottom and up here and back there and coming and just feeling like, oh, I had this expectation of rest and I was utterly, utterly exhausted. And on the next day, of course, getting bikes and I remember I got this bike thinking back to it, this one year cruiser, but trying to go up this mountain and being exhausted and then another hike and thinking I was supposed to come here to rest. I feel old and and worn out. And Wednesday morning, I can remember saying, Lord, I thought I was going to come here to rest. And of course, it was physical. But I heard him in my thoughts just speak to me. It's not physical rest you need. It's spiritual rest. And spiritual rest comes from putting your eyes on me and understanding that I am the one who gives you life. You see, in my life, I fall into the danger where sometimes I strive and I work to do things. And obviously work's not bad, but striving can be not so good. And when you face difficult times, and we've been in difficult times, and it can be draining. And at times just dealing in different situations or my own life, my own anxiety, or at times my own fear, or are we doing things correctly or not correctly, or these people believe this or that, or what should we do? And... Uh, the news says this, and it can drain you, and it can do things in your own life to draw out mental, emotional exhaustion. I just remember that thought thinking, yeah, just God sharing with me that you need to be young in the truth that you have newness of life that I am new in him because of the resurrection, that the old man, those things that drain me, fear and anxiety and striving and working, that's not what he has for me. But rather I'm to live in the newness of life, as it would say here, partaking in the divine nature by his divine power. By believing in what he has done, not only dying for me, beautiful, but yet, there's this amazing power from the resurrection. As I have faith, as it says, I have to have all diligent in belief in that, knowing these precious promises to add, to add perseverance. Don't we all need that today? Self-control, godliness, and love. These have been given to us in the newness of life through the resurrection. You know, the old man is dead. But I love how Paul says, listen, our outer body, it's fading each day. But we're being renewed inside each day. Though the old is fading away, we know the old man is dead. But our flesh can rear up. But as our bodies get old, inwardly, by the power of the resurrection, the hope of the resurrection, the truth of newness of life, that we are slaves to this righteousness and have this power and divine nature. Wow. Wow, that's where rest, that's where rest comes from. And today, maybe you've been living forgiven. You know you're forgiven. But maybe you're still battling with sin. There's something much more. You know what? We can live in the power of the resurrection. We don't have to, to live tired. 
we can live alive. And I needed to hear this today. I needed to hear that this week, and maybe you need to hear it as well. And scripture just lays it out so clearly and so wonderfully for us. Paul, trying to explain to the Corinthians, and just think about them, they are struggling with sin. They are struggling with unforgiveness. They are struggling with sexual sin. They are struggling with division. And he's saying it doesn't have to be that way. Because if you're believing the resurrection didn't happen, you're missing a great good news. You're missing the fact that, no, you are new, you're slave to righteousness, that you have the power to walk the way God has asked you to walk. And you today have that power, but you need to add, you need to have faith and know and add by diligent these things. Praise God today. May you be blessed. May we all be blessed with the knowledge and may scripture just speak to our hearts continually. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for your word. Yeah, just think of Hebrews, Lord, that we're to enter the land or enter this land by belief. Into the land of life. We're to enter by faith in you and what you've done, the goodness of the gospel that we are forgiven and that you resurrected and your power is within us in your newness that we can walk with you. If there's anyone struggling today, maybe you're tired or drained and sin's getting the better part of you, may you believe truth, may you know truth, and may you be diligent to add all that the Holy Spirit has for you today. May I do the same. Lord, would you help us? We need your help. God, you are so good. You're so faithful. Lord, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Will you be blessed this week? Yeah, have a great week in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrection. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.